Hello everyone. Um, in this episode I had the pleasure of speaking to Sarah McLeod who played Rosie Cotton in the Lord of the Rings franchise. Um, it was an absolute honour to speak to Sarah. Um, she's an absolutely amazing person, um, really lovely and yeah we had a great time chatting. I had to listen back to the audio um, and there are moments for some reason where both of our audios had like overlapped so it sounded like I was talking over Sarah sometimes or it sounded like we were talking at the exact same time. Um, it's only sometimes in the episodes, so if you do hear us overlapping or, you know, speaking at the same time or whatever, um, it's literally a fault with the audio, um, because we we had a conversation um, in real time, and uh, it was fine, but for some reason when it's recorded, it's done that. Um, I think I've noticed that on an older episode as well with uh, Johnny, um, so I do apologise, but um, yeah, I hope you enjoy, and yeah, thanks for listening. Episode 10 of Jamming With Words, and today, oh boy, it's a special one for me. Um, I'm joined with the lovely Sarah McLeod, who um, played Rosie uh, Cotter in um, The Lord of the Rings, which is, I can't believe I'm actually saying that. Um <laughs> And um, yeah, I am joined by her today. Um, Sarah, how are you? I am very well, and it's lovely to be here. Thank you very much for inviting me, Ben. Oh, the pleasure is all mine. <laughs> um, first of all, I just want to ask you, how are you finding, and this is going to be insightful for all of my, all of my, for any of the listeners that I have on this new podcast, um, what's it like in New Zealand right now with the, um, with the pandemic? We know we are so very, very lucky here in New Zealand, whereby we know the pandemic exists. It impacts us in some ways, but nothing like the rest of the world. Ultimately, we are really lucky here that life just carries on as per normal. Schools are open, the bars are open, restaurants are open, the economy is doing well. Um, I guess the way tangibly that it affects us still is we're using the QR codes to um, scan everywhere we go. We still keep telling everybody and telling the kids to keep washing their hands. Um, but the, the most, the, the, I think the most way that the pandemic is still impacting on us is just the sadness we feel when we still see the impact it's having on the rest of the world. And, you know, how long is this going to go on for? So, you know, I, have, I do have moments of thinking, is this the new reality for, for humans? <laughs> Will it always be yeah. here? Yeah, yeah. So you, so basically life is kind of normal for you over there. Like, you know, nothing's shut, nothing's... Nothing's shut. Oh, wow. The only the only thing that has happened to me is, I'm, and this is very, very first world problems, um, I'm getting my house recarpeted. And apparently I didn't realise the carpet gets made in Belgium. So um, it keeps on getting delayed. So the only personal impact it's had on me is that <laughs> I can't get my new carpet yet. But that's has some very, very small price to pay. I'm happy to wait no. for as long as I have to. <laughs> Still annoying, though. I do love a fresh carpet. <laughs> I am looking forward to it. <laughs> um, I have to say I'm very jealous because um, over here it's very much um, you never know. Each day is different. You never know what's going to change. The rules are changing. Mm. Um Rules are changing almost weekly, it seems. Um, mo bars have been shut for ages. Uh, most shops are shut. Masks everywhere. Social distancing everywhere. So it's a very strange time. Yeah. Um, and, it, and I know it's not for everyone. Yeah. And I mean, like, 
but even like, you know, I still like when Sir Tom just died recently of COVID at, at 100, mm -hmm. that story still hit the headlines here in New Zealand. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, shed a tear. There's, so we very, we're a long way away, but I think we're still very connected with the rest of the world. Um, we're always very interested in what's happening. It leads our headlines. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, we, but 100% we all acknowledge how fortunate we are with Jacinda Ardern as our awesome Prime Minister. Um, yep. we're so, we're so lucky. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds it to be fair. And to be fair, I have to admit it does come down to leadership, doesn't it really? Um, you know, how you go about leading your country and what decisions to make. Um, there's a lot of, um, hostility towards our government at the moment. So we'll leave, we'll leave that at that, but, um, I'm glad you, I'm glad you're well. Glad you're <laughs> yes, well. yes. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> um, so what have you what have you been up to lately? Um what have you been doing with your time? Yeah, so so after um I mean, because I guess we'll probably go back to talking a little bit more about Lord of the Rings. So Oh yeah. Um, we'll, 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 we'll go yeah. we'll go backwards, yes. Um so yeah. so what I do now is I used to be a voiceover artist with big mouth voices as well as having an acting agent and 10 years ago the owner of big mouth voices actually said oh hey look can you come and help me out a little bit and then a month later he said hey would you like to buy the business so oh. i kind of in the same way that i fell into acting i also have now fallen into being a voice agent Oh. and okay. so what that means is i represent actors that do voiceover work for yeah. you know commercials radio ads but also gaming video games um explainer videos the whole world of voiceovers really booming and um it's a fun industry to be in but what i also did was rather than just being an agent in new zealand i now represent voice artists from all around the world and i love that aspect of what i do now um yeah and came over to London and like participated in the One Voice Conference, which is quite a well-known voice conference and voice awards that they have each year that's run by Gravy for the Brain. So right. that got me over to London, which was great. And, Ooh, and yeah, and then I've got quite a lot of um, US voices that are on the books as well and Australian and New Zealand voices. So that's that's pretty much my business life now is doing auditions every now and then, but predominantly working as a voice agent, um, yep. living in beautiful West Auckland in Titarangi, which is a lovely part of Auckland with my family and all my animals and my gardens, oh, yeah, living living a rosy cotton life here in New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, say, that does sound very uh, Hobbiton. <laughs> it um, is, it's very Hobbiton. I always laugh. When you say, when you say all your animals, please please give me details i'm a big animal fan oh, okay well i do love animals so the um the flock gradually decreases as they get older and die so um we're now down to one dog a golden retriever called rusty we've oh. got he's gorgeous and he's lovely now because he's old so he's very placid and so let me just oh, i will actually just close my emails now that i have your link let me just quit that so it's not going to ding dingling in everybody's ears um i have currently three cats Valentine, oh. who's the queen of the household. Oh, okay. Bella, who's quite shy. And um, I became a foster mother with the SPCA. So I started mm. looking after kittens throughout the kitten season. And yep. I'm what's called a foster fail because I fell in love with the first foster kitten and kept her. <laughs> and that's Puffin. I love that term. <laughs> um, 
Are you so you're a cat lover? Right? I, I think I prefer cats than dogs, um, because dogs sometimes bark and run away, and that annoys me. But yeah. but on the whole, yes. I mean, I just I think I love anything that's living. Any, I'm a very loving, nurturing kind of person. So um, yeah, I love it. You're very friendly. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. So voice. So voice work. Um, is it just as difficult as physical acting? Um, it's different. So one of the biggest differences with voice work as opposed to acting is you don't have to learn your lines off by heart. Yeah. So you've got to be good at reading ahead with a script so that you can um, read without making a mistake. Um, the physicality of it. So when people are doing video games, they're very grueling. You know, it might be a three hour session and you're obviously because because I do a lot of voiceover training as well. And so it's like talking to people about you've really got to get your body into it. Um, but you've still got to be aware of things like you can't obviously bump the microphone. So it's like a different skill set that requires different mm -hmm. skills. Um, yeah, it's probably not as grueling as on screen acting because it's the sessions are shorter and yeah, you don't have to learn your lines. Um, mm -hmm. But definitely the video games, they require huge amounts of effort. Like if you think about all the, the deaths that you hear, all the efforts that you hear, the climbing up of the ladders, the throwing of the spears, a lot of voiceover mm -hmm. artists, they have to be really careful about taking care of their voice, their vocal cords or their voices, because they do get very strained with video games. Yeah, you don't think of it like that. It's almost, it's similar to like a, that of a singer, you know, yeah. a professional singer, you take care of your voice. Um, and like you say, three hour sessions, I bet that is really tiring at the end of you just basically using your voice for that three hours. And I can imagine it's quite a, it can be quite tiring. You wouldn't expect it, would you, on the surface if you, you know, when you talk about voice acting, but in reality, it's a tough job. Yeah. And it's also, it's also one that, cause a lot of people think that they, if you've got a voice, you can do a voiceover, but it's just really interesting when you actually start listening to people recording voiceovers, you can really tell the difference between someone who's really got the sense of the script they understand what they're saying so you yeah. find that with a lot of voiceover artists they're having to be they're, they're the kind of people that can think really quickly and interpret really quickly and have a really lovely degree of just making it sound effortless yeah and understanding what's on yeah. the page and like you know how things should sound um oh that's awesome then um and I'm guessing you love it and it sounds like a fun job to be fair. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't do voiceovers myself so much anymore. Um, I more work as an agent, but. The... Yeah. Working with the kind of people. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do love the fact that that Big Mouth Voices is global. Like we had our first ever Zoom meeting this week and we had 47 people from around the world. And it was just oh. such an awesome feeling to see everybody there. Yeah, I bet, I bet. Zoom meetings are kind of the thing. Now, well, that's they? right. And so many people, you know, that's the great thing about the voice industry. Lots of people were set up already to record from their home studios. So um, I do think voiceover artists on the whole are quite fortunate because the COVID pandemic's kind of meant clients are more now accepting of recording people from home rather than having them go into an actual studio. Yes. Yeah, good point. And that's the beauty of um, technology now. I yeah. Guess. So, okay, let's move on to Lord of the Rings. So, um, first of all, how, I mean, I have, I read that you, um, you, well, when you auditioned for, for Rosie, you were six months yes, pregnant. Yes, that, well, that, that's, that's that, is, that is very, very correct. 
Yep. So, and actually your, uh, is it your daughter yes. was the, was Rosie and Sam? Yes. Played? So my 20, she's now 20, well, she's nearly 22, Maisie. So yes, her first ever acting role was as a boy playing Bobby, baby Frodo. <laughs> wow. No way. Um, and so you, well, you were, when you, um, you were friends with, I forgot the lady's name. You were friends with the Mar casting. Mar yeah. Miranda uh, Rivers. Oh, Miranda Rivers, right? Yeah, and she was casting for the um, for the for the fellowship, wasn't she? For the yeah, so film. Liz Mullane and Miranda Rivers were the casting directors on um, the three Lord of the Rings films, and yeah, yeah, I was good friends with Miranda, and it, yeah, and it was that thing. I remember her ringing me and saying, "Oh, hey, you've been shortlisted for Rosie Cotton," and I was like, "Oh yeah, okay, that sounds cool." She's like, "No, Sarah, you've been shortlisted for Rosie Cotton," because we just had no idea of the enormity of it all, and. Mm. I'd already worked with Peter Jackson on Forgotten Silver. Um, and yeah. this is why I kind of, this is like why I say I kind of like fell into acting because I was at university doing a degree in politics and French and um, oh. hadn't planned on being an actor. <laughs> oh. Yeah. And it I was going to be a diplomat. <laughs> diplomat and then you ended up in, as yeah. you know, as you, um, what did you, had you heard of? Oh, yes. When, yes, 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 yes. Like, I read the books. Yeah. So, I mean, I was yeah. so obviously I was aware of the storyline and the characters. Um, yeah. But I think it was because we hadn't really filmed anything of that scale in New Zealand before. So, you know, yeah. an acting role was an acting role. It was, yeah, it'll be, it would be like, you know, a bit of work. It'll be fun. I love being on set. Mm -hmm. But and, and yeah, just didn't have an idea of the enormity of this actual project. <laughs> No, and now it's 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 literally huge, mm. isn't it? It's um, worldwide. And um, so when you were told you were shortlisted for it, did you just kind of, were you just literally just chilled about it or were you like freaking out? I've never freaked out, totally chilled. Still, um, it still very much was just like, oh yeah, that sounds cool. But I, it was probably one of the roles where I wasn't sort of like, oh my God, I so hope I get it. I so hope I get it. I was very relaxed. Yeah. Hmm. Which is which is surprising, really, because of, like you say, I suppose you could you didn't know it was going to be as big as it was. Um, and what was it like on set? Because obviously, I've looked at a lot of like behind the scenes mm. videos. Um, did you feel like you were in this like fantasy yes. world? Or Basically, yeah. Like when I was told that I was shortlisted. Well, actually, I think I think yeah. for me, like when I did my first audition and it was with Liz. Um, I had, a, I always, I liked Liz and she'd cast me before. So I enjoyed the audition. I wasn't like particularly like, oh my God, am I going to do a good audition or not? I remember feeling really relaxed when I did the audition. And then when I had to do the second yeah. audition after I'd had Maisie, I think she might've been about three or four weeks old. Um, I still just felt quite relaxed, but I definitely remember going to the first wardrobe fitting. And that probably is the point where I went, ah, this is quite big because every it was everything was massive like you know the the wetter workshop and everything had been transformed the massive scale of everything but the mm. beauty of everything i just remember even right back at that very first wardrobe fitting it was like wow these costumes this fabric the embroidery i could tell straight away the incredible attention to detail that everybody was putting into every part of their their aspect of creating and adding to this film and um i was go like going through the art department and seeing the, the scale model so like you know you see the little goblet and then the medium-sized goblet and then the massive big size goblet so everything the yeah. everything becoming in, in the three sizes kind of thing was just and just the beauty of everything so 
that was the sense I got at the studio side of things. Um, and then when we would go to location, so like in Matter Matter, when we um, had the party and where the Green Dragon was for the outside of it, um, yeah. they had put so much time into building these sets that it was easy to be rosy because I was trans, uh, you know, it was just like the whole area was transformed into Hobbiton. So it was, ma it yeah. was magical. Magical would be a really good word to use to describe how it felt. Oh, so yeah, that, that was the only, you know, the only sort of scary scene or difficult scene, but all the rest of mine were just gorgeous scenes. So all the, um, all the interactions I had with all the guys were just really fun. There was just so much in the scenes that I was in, the scenes were so much fun. We was lots of having, everyone was there behind the scenes, having a good time. Yeah. We were hanging out together. Um, Sean was in Wellington with his wife and their daughter. So we, we hung out together a yeah. bit as well. And that was all really, it was just lovely. Yeah, I can imagine. And that's what, that's what the, um, the beauty of the Lord of the Rings franchise is, is the fact that a lot of it was literally hours and hours of hard work put into, um, the set and, um, you know, the characters and making it look like another world. And it really does. Um, what was it like working alongside um, the boys? You know, uh, <laughs> Sean asked. Yeah, the boys, the boys. <laughs> the lads. Yeah. It was great. I mean, it, because I was really lucky in that, you know, Rosie Cotton didn't have to do any of the fighting. She just got to do the, the partying and the, um, the, the, the scene <laughs> surrounded by flowers and bumblebees. And I got to yeah. do all the good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, the only yeah. scary scene I had to do was the scouring of the Shire, where you know we're in that line and we're all chained together and being um, hammered by orcs. Yeah, it's. It, I mean, to be honest, it's. It, I I could speak about Lord of the Rings for days. I bet it was just a whole other experience, like a um, something that's just. Yeah, I, I I recently went to see all three films again at the cinema, um, because when lockdown had lifted a little bit in the summer, mm -hmm. I went to see them, and they were, they were the extended the, mm -hmm. the extended editions. Uh, so I was at the cinema <laughs> for a very long time, as you can imagine. Um, and so watching it, it's just it never gets boring. It never gets boring, and um, it was just perfect. Yeah, and it, um, I find it incredible that it's twenty years old. Well, crazy. I can't believe how. Well, I've got two funny stories about that. So, like, the first funny story is um, the first time I showed it to my older daughters, Maisie and Lola. And yeah, I don't know. They must have been quite young at the time, maybe six and six and nine, perhaps, or maybe a little bit younger than that when they watched them. But I was outside in my garden, and I remember thinking, "Hey, girls, just like call out to me if it gets too scary, if you see any orcs or anything." And then at one point, I did hear crying, so I ran inside. But it was the scene, not with orcs, but when I'm getting married, or when Rosie's getting married to Sam, and my daughter was crying because I was kissing someone else that wasn't her dad. And that's what, oh that's what um, made her cry. Um, and then the other funny story is, because now I've got Emily and Nina, who are six and eight, and during lockdown, we did yeah. all the Harry Potter movies, all the Star Wars movies, and all the Lord of the Rings movies as a family. And um, because I haven't really done that much wow. acting in the last 10 years, they're not seeing me plastered across the screen all the time, whereas Maisie and Lola were more familiar with me doing lots of acting. So I was like, I've been in this film, girls. It's it's quite a big film. Um, my role's not huge, but it's quite a big film. And anyway, I think we saw the three films. And then my eight-year-old looked at me and she said, it's not as big a role as Hermione, mum. 
Oh, <laughs> and I was like, it might not be a big role, Emily, but it's crucial. <laughs> it's crucial to the storyline. <laughs> yeah. Oh, 100%. That's what I was saying. Like, you know, um, do you, so during lockdown then, do you, have you read the books again? since or have you only read I've only read them the once I've read the Hobbit twice but I haven't read all the Lord of the Rings books I've had too many children I haven't had time to to read <laughs> I was gonna say what do you do like what do you actually what did you do through lockdown because over here people are literally running out oh. we can only walk down um we, so we, def- so we definitely I actually I have to say I mean our lockdown was only I think it was about seven weeks um I loved lockdown because I didn't have to do anything yeah. and Initially, I freaked yeah. out because I could hear too many neighbours around because I quite like, I do quite like my solitude. And so normally everybody else goes off to work and I work from home. So it's like, ah, peace and quiet. So for me, the sense that lots of people were around did freak me out a little bit. Um, I kind of was like, go away, everybody. Yeah. I don't want to hear your radios or your, your, all your noises. Um, but once I, once I got yeah. over that, um, I actually loved the fact that as a family, we went for walks we hung out together. The kids just played so well, which was through necessity because they only had each other. So rather than fighting all the time, I think they finally got to the point where they were like, ah, oh, okay, I guess we might as well like play. Um, yeah. Might- yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it was just, but it was lots of walking, lots of watching of movies, lots of eating. I think we all talk about the the COVID KGs. Oh, <laughs> oh don't get me started. Yeah. And plus, the, the idea is when you get out of lockdown, you're supposed to like work out to get rid of it. No, them. that's just not me. I don't think I just can't be doing. I don't think I don't anyone know. is like. I mean, even at the dairy, I remember going to the dairy owners, and they'd be like, "People are still buying lots of chocolate." Yeah. Oh god, I think it's got to that point now where we just yeah. we just don't care anymore. I think it's just like you know, get fat. I'm going to get fat. Um, you uh, so when you when you filmed um lord of the rings by the way we was it anywhere near like so it was all yes. in new zealand obviously the the parts that you were you were filming um but it says i mean i've obviously i've looked up on the on the old interweb um i can't say the name where you're from but is it put i'm gonna try and you can laugh at me if you want um ah pitadadu pitadadu <laughs> so Pateril, that's very good research from you. That was um yes, that's where I was born and I lived until I was six. And it's well known for having a beautiful spring of water. Okay. And and, and that's that's about that's, it. That's <laughs> it's a very that's... small oh, I, was, I was waiting for the like, It's a very, for... very small New Zealand yeah. town. Did you did you film any were there any scenes there or did you feel <laughs> Did you film with the Hobbit boarders no, in there? No, Matter, no, Matter. I mean, it's not that far away from Matter, Matter, actually. Um, but my, all my filming was Wellington and Matter, Matter. They were the only two locations that I went to. Have you heard right of up. the red carpet tours? I um, often do dinners with the guests when they arrive in Auckland. And that's something I have loved doing pre-COVID times. Um, but I've always wanted to do like one of their tours where they go to all the locations um, down in the South Island as well. And they jump in helicopters and... Oh, I think that would be an awesome, an awesome trip to do. Yeah, uh, I don't think I'd be able to jump out the helicopter. I think I'd actually freak out. Um, you know, when you see it on TV, like, and you're like, oh, I could do that. And then you just know that if you were, like, suspended, how many feet in there? I've... Oh, no, I can't do that. But in New Yeah, well, see, cause I have jumped out of a helicopter for a TV show. Oh, okay. Well, it was a kid's what show I presented all way back in... It was like my first job out of teachers college because after being a diplomat, after training to be a diplomat or a politician, I thought I should do something else as a backup. 
so I, I'm trained to be a primary school teacher. Yeah. And then I thought, oh, actually, I really like being in front of the camera. So I got a job presenting a kids' TV show. And as part of that, we used to go and do little stories all around the country. And I just remember flying. I, yeah. and I was in Queenstown and I jumped out of a helicopter over the Shotover River. Turned out to be too dangerous. They don't allow people to do it anymore. But the thing I, which is, yeah, it's good. But the thing I really remember is my foot actually got yeah. twisted around the bungee cord because you meant to have the bungee cord like in between your two feet, but oh. my ankle kind of got twisted around it. So it wasn't really painful, oh. but it was enough to be painful that when I'm trying to do my piece to camera, like, yeah, that was awesome. On the inside, I was like, get that robe off me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. You have to hide the pain. I mean, that's quite that's quite a lot to ask, isn't it? By the way, you've got to say this to the camera yeah. whilst jumping out a <laughs> helicopter. Like, quite a lot to ask. Um, when what was it? What was it like? This sounds. This is going to be a weird question, but so you don't have to answer. But did you have the weird hairy hobby feet? Yes, hobby feet. Did you have? To yeah, wear no, no, that's not, that's not a weird question at all. So oh. they 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 developed the feet. By the time they were filming The Hobbit, they came further up the leg, is my understanding. But for us, the, the prosthetic feet that I had as Rosie Cotton took about two hours every morning to get applied. So I'd be yep. standing on a chair in the makeup bus. Um, so it was, like, it was like slipping on, you know, those kind of socks that you put on that um, you can't see when you're wearing a sneaker. Probably more a girl thing than a guy thing. But yeah. Um, they were kind of that shape in terms of that mean. size around yeah. the foot. So it would be very fine, um, you know, prosthetic that would get put against the foot and you'd have to get it all glued on and then lots and lots of painting and then application of the of the, the hobbit hair and the hairy toes. Um, so, yeah, and the ears times 5.30 in the morning and that's the first thing that is getting done is, well, basic wardrobe and then, yeah, feet and ears. Definitely um, someone who needs my eight hours of sleep. And I don't think I'd cope with a yeah. five o'clock call time as well as I used to, I have to say. I say five o'clock, it's just that time, isn't it? Four or five o'clock in the morning is never nice. I don't care what you're doing, it's never nice. <laughs> and standing there having your feet glued with hair. Yeah, and I think I often had a baby on my hip at the same time. I've definitely got photographs of me standing on a chair with, um, with Maisie on my hip. When, so you were you were six months pregnant when you like found I out... Think that was, I think that's about out. right, yes. And I So I think... I must have done my first audition. No, I think I was pregnant when I did my first audition and was still pregnant when I got the shortlist phone call and then definitely had just had Maisie when I had yeah. the final. And it was just basically an audition for me just to see, for them to see I was coping okay with being a mum for the first time. And then, because I remember they, the wardrobe department had quite a few um, issues with my costume because, of course, I was still breastfeeding for the first, you know, 12 months of filming. And so... I had to be, and we're wearing like, as Rosie Cotton, like, you know, you've got your, I've got my petticoat, my, my peasant kind of blouse, but then also quite a tight corset. So um, throughout the course of the day, they had to keep um, undoing it and then doing it back up again. But also because the filming was often, you know, your principal photography, then it might be another three months before I did more filming. And I was losing a bit of weight because of the breastfeeding. And so they yeah. had to keep changing my costume. So I would think I was probably a little bit of a headache for the wardrobe department. And then when we came yeah. to filming the wedding scene three years later, I had once again, relatively recently, only just given birth to Lola. So I always just think, God, they were, I so easily could have been pregnant. And that would not have been such a good look for the wedding scene. Yeah. <laughs>
no yeah i mean yeah do you did you and this did you when you were doing the scenes for rosie cotton like did you find yourself like okay yeah ask this about acting in general for you because i know it's different do you, do you find yourself do you get nervous basically? um did you get nervous it's i didn't i don't feel i'm it's like heightened it's not so much like with it's not so much a real nerve you, you do get a bit you do get nervous like just before they yeah, whenever they say action yes you're nervous that you're going to stuff it up you're going to step in the wrong place. You're going to say the wrong line. Okay, I, I do get nervous. I'm going to say the wrong word, say it with the wrong accent, step in the wrong place. Mm-hmm. So there's a degree of nervousness, but I don't really use the word nervousness. I would say more heightened. So it's kind of like... Yeah, yeah. And you're and yeah, also like that, like you're aware that the camera's rolling. Um, but there is a real difference as an actor when you're really in the moment... You actually, like when you're really in the moment, you actually, everything yeah. else does just disappear. And, and I think yeah, because I, I really did. loved the character of Rosie Cotton, it was one that really aligned with me as Sarah McLeod, like, you know, nature, um, love, family, so many of those qualities of Rosie, you know, I kind of feel like exist within me as Sarah. So mm. I just loved being Rosie. And so I loved, I, I can still remember the feelings of like, being Rosie and seeing Sam walking down the path. And it's just like, oh, there he is. Um, and yeah, yeah, that's the lovely part about her. Is it, the lovely part about Rosie Cotton's character is because Sam is mm. the true hero, in my opinion, in the film, the fact that he's got her, he loves her, and, and he's like, he's mm. his re- she's his reason for going, you know, for destroying evil and going back. So I think that's the great part about Rosie's character. Yeah. She's this like glimmer of hope. For um, for the strongest yeah, and I think in the story, I guess because the whole experience for me as an actress was just amazing, I can still watch those, like you know, the scene when Sam's like, yeah. if, "If I had have married anyone, I would have married Rosie." That still makes me tear up. I yeah. still cry. I'm like, "Oh, Sam!" Like I can still feel those feelings. Yeah, yeah, I bet, and it's 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 a huge part of your life, though, isn't it? I mean, when you did the, um, you know, when you say you get mm. heightened when you do the uh, filming, does that include the uh, the dancing? I think dance- we'd worked um, with um, with Shona for a long time on those dance moves, and that was really fun. Like it was fun learning all the dances and having the music and everything. But what you don't kind of see in the film is yeah. it's always it's also hard work. Like we're wearing these really big feet. The ground's not completely flat. Like there's one part where it sort of rose slightly up on a slight gradient. And I, and so what you don't see is like this big yeah. smile, obviously, to camera. But there were definitely times I remember when I'd turn around and I would know that I wouldn't be to camera. We're almost like, okay, grab a breath. Okay, I'm back to camera. So you do have those moments, particularly yeah. with yeah, physical yeah. scenes. I forgot you had your big feet as well. God, they have... lift your feet slightly higher to make sure you didn't like yeah, stub, your, stub your big hobbit toe. I've got Lord of the Rings to thank for my, <laughs> uh, for my dad saying my feet are like hobbit Um what about when, so, you know what, when you um, did the wedding scene, um, that's this is the thing I always find, I mean, I don't act, right? I don't act, I can't act. But when you see a kissing scene on, on, on a film, I always think, I wouldn't be able to film that, I'd get so embarrassed. Like, secondhand embarrassment. And, like, when you said about your daughter watching it and she was crying because it wasn't her, her dad, um... Does that not, does that, what's that like when you, when you film in a scene? You know like, how sometimes between two lead actors who are meant to be in love, 
you kind of can see when it works and when it doesn't work. You know, like there's either chemistry or there's not chemistry. Yeah, and I think with Rosie and Sam, it worked yeah. because, you know, like in that moment we're in love. Not awkward because it's Rosie marrying Sam on their wedding day. There's just no question around it having to be nervous because it's the two characters in the moment being in love. You don't, it's like, it's that thing of like, I think when there's not chemistry yeah. between the two, you know, the two actors, then potentially it's harder because, you know, it's just, it, it doesn't come naturally. Yeah, I got yeah. So you've got to, to be fair, it's more than just like a kit, an on-screen kiss. You've got to make it look. Well, I think um, it can't, yeah. I guess, I, I, I guess what it is, is it's either authentic or it's not in the moment. Yeah. yeah. I, um, I also love the fact that uh, in the, uh, when you're working behind the, well, you, when you're working in the tavern, um, you have to do that sort of bittersweet. What's the oh, what's the word I'm kind of looking for? Those <laughs> do is it doughy eyed? Is that the phrase? Oh yeah. Or Sam's <laughs> looking at you over his pint. You have to kind of give it stuff like that. You don't realize how much. How much did you have to do? Like loads of takes. Um, we sort of always take took a long time with every scene. So because Peter was very particular, so a lot of time went into every scene. I don't remember it ever being like, oh my god, I have to do another take. Um, it was generally like. The setup took a long time. Obviously, the lighting took a long time. But he was always very, very clear about what he wanted. And I think very clear right from when he cast people that he would always know he'd be able to get what he wanted out of them yeah. without having to tweak the performance yeah. lots and lots of times. Very clever. He's a very clever man. Um, and yeah. he did a great job on those films. Um, so that's that's a lot of um, very interesting uh, information and I can't believe um, I'm actually speaking to someone who's been involved in, in this such an amazing experience mm. and um, I love those films. The thing that I do still love about Lord of the Rings and I think this is why it's still, you know, even, like once I knew how big Lord of the Rings was, I remember thinking, wow, this is something that my grandchildren yeah. will be really kind of quite a little bit proud that their grandmother was in Lord of the Rings because I believe that the longevity of the films will last for that long. Um, and watching them during lockdown and thinking how amazing it was that they were already 20 years old, but still how good they were. But the thing that I still really love about the films is doing podcasts like this. Um, going to events yeah. where, you know, it might be a dinner in Auckland because it's the people on the red carpet tour, but the love that people have for these films and the stories they've got yeah. intertwined in their families or in their friendships around these films is so special. You know, the, the, the 30 year old woman that come to the red carpet tour that have been watching it since they were, you know, 15 together. Um, I, the families where it's the family yeah. tradition that every Christmas they sit down and they watch it together. And then finally they get to come as a family to New Zealand to like do a family holiday. I just love all of that so much that it means so much to so many people in such a beautiful yeah. way. Yeah. The fan base is, is huge and ever growing, which is great. And that's why I said, you know, at the beginning of, of this is when I said, you know, it, it's kind of I'm a bit starstruck to be speaking to someone who was involved in it. And, um, yeah, it's it's honestly like it's great that you've you've you know took the time out to speak to me about it. I'd love to be able to come to New Zealand and see where it was all mm. filmed, and um, I'm hoping yep. after COVID that can be a possibility. Um, I've always wanted to come to New Zealand anyway, but um, 
it does help that uh, my favourite films were were filmed there. Um, what are you so? Last, my last question for you. Then, oh no, I left only. It's fine. <laughs> before I bore you to tears, uh, <laughs> is um, if you could, if you could have been in any classic movie. There's actually, there's actually two role, roles would I would love been? to have played in my career as an actress. I would, I would love to have played in some in a character like in Dangerous Liaisons with the beautiful hair and the beautiful costumes. Um, so that's one dream I would have to sort of yeah okay, play yeah. something like that. Probably speaking French as well. I think a classic French aristocratic type role. <laughs> so tis a dream of mine to return oh. to um, live in France at some point post COVID. Yeah, just do it. Just do it. I uh, wish I could speak French, but I can't. And the um, second yeah, role on, I would love role, to yeah. play is like um, a rock star. Someone who's belting out songs and playing the guitar okay. on a okay. stage in front of tens of thousands of people. I'd love to, I would have loved to have played a role like that. It's been great speaking to you. Um, I really appreciate you getting back to me and, you know, taking the time out of your, your schedule to speak to me. Um, and, um, yeah, I hope, I hope New Zealand continues to be thriving while we, <laughs> while we still sludge along in this terrible time. But, um, yeah, I hope to visit New Zealand. Yeah, we'll reach out when you do. Um, especially after COVID. And, oh yeah, hundred percent. I'll send you an email. Um, and yeah, um, I hope you have a lovely rest of the day. It is only the morning for you. So you've got a whole day ahead of you. <laughs> it's nearly my bedtime actually, cause I'm up early, so bit of an old um but yeah i hope you have a lovely day wonderful thanks ben it's been really enjoyable uh, speak to you very soon